0: series called The Christian Checklist. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is j-a-e-f.foundation. God told Joshua something in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that I believe most Christians overlook. You see, Joshua had been given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to possess it. And God was giving him some last minute instructions before they set off. So picture yourself as the commander-in-chief. How would you, as the commander-in-chief, instruct your army general who is heading out to the battlefield? I'm sure most of us would be looking over battle strategy tactics, and so forth. However, God's last departure instructions to Joshua seem to be both ironic and iconic. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in this book for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The Book of the Law that God was referring to wasn't a book containing fighting instructions and battle tactics. No. The Book of the Law was a combination of God's moral laws, civil laws and sanitary laws. Interesting, right? I think so. However, I want to draw our attention to these specific phrases used by God in verse 8. He said, the law. Now, today, to ask Christians, this means God's instructions. Then he also said, meditate day and night. This is a suggestion of a daily routine. Practice remembering these laws. Meditate them. Ponder them. He also said observe to do all of it. Put, it in, put them into action. Put God's statutes into action daily. Then by, do, by doing all the above, it's inevitable that whatever you do, you will prosper and have good success. Whether it's a business relationship, romantic relationship, mental health, finances, leadership, physical health, you name it. Just like Joshua was guaranteed good success in possessing a foreign land, likewise God guarantees us good success if we meditate and do all of his statutes. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, But understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble hard to deal with and hard to bear. And Peter also told the scattered believers around the world to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. With this in mind, and the awareness of the times that we currently live in today, as a Christian, you can no longer afford to just wake up and dash out of the door. You need to remind yourself daily that you are like a soldier going out to the battlefield and whether or not you get back home to your family depends on the kind of armory that you go out with on the battlefield. Whether you like it or not, accept it or not, as a Christian out in the world today, you need to be thoroughly equipped before you encounter the day. In fact, I like to think of it as it's kill or be killed. So the Christian checklist is just a guide that you can use to stay sharpened and well-rounded in the different areas of your Christian walk. The Christian checklist will help you cover your spiritual blind spots. We hope this series blesses your heart, so, open up your heart and mind and let's dive in.
1: This rock- Can't hold us, cause the light has shown us No fear's big enough to own us We were never meant to fit in these folders Know this, I ain't scared of these poses Over time we all face opponents They thought they could mess with this focus They forgot the end of the climb's the coldest Know this, life's a battlefield of moments Hold this We are, but no one hears We preserve. walls, you can't hold us. If we just keep running away, we'll never make- The
0: pre-show. Welcome back to episode nine of the Christian Checklist. We're talking about how we should start being methodical about a Christian believer's walk of faith. Just like people who work in very high-risk environments, likewise, based on the biblical timeline of the end times, we should see to it, we should be diligent about having all our bases covered. It's easy for us to get too comfortable in the parts of our Christian walk that don't really stretch us. And we end up paying very little attention to the other areas of our Christian walk, which creates blind spots and weak links in the chain of our armor. The Christian checklist is a tool we can use to do routine tune-ups in different areas of our believers walk of faith. The seven muscles of Christianity are muscles that every believer must exercise regularly to be able to fight the good fight faith. Paul said that one of the things Paul said about fighting the good fight of faith, he says, isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win, but only one receives the victor's prize. Yet each one of you must run the race to be victorious. A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel, wreath that quickly withers. But we run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. For that reason, I don't run just to exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches but I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and get under control and get it under my control so that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. I like how another translation puts it, It says, but like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships and subdue it, for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and the things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved, and rejected as a counterfeit. That is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. So we're talking about the Christian checklist and the the checklist we're looking at right now is the seven muscles of Christianity. We've gone through the core muscle that is the glue to everything. And that is the word of God. And we've said that you have to exercise reading the word of God daily without fail. That should be every Christian's goal. And also, what's interesting is muscle number three, which we're going to be talking about today. um, When talking about reading the word of God, you need to know the word of God. You need to know, you need to be reading big chunks of scripture at a time. But what's interesting is that there's a deeper level when we now want to go into meditation as scripture talks about it is that, you know, start going back to the, you go back to passages of scripture and you now start to have intercourse with them. That's what the scripture says. Adam knew his wife. Most of the times when you read in that in the Bible, the the the, the phrase no, the word no normally means intimacy, intercourse. So we say that you need to know the word of God. You you need to know the word of God. That was Marshall number one. Because it affects every other muscle your prayer life which is muscle number two prayer and fasting that tandem it's going to work through the foundation of the word of god that you've built in you now there is reading the word of god to know it by memory um you need you need that as well but it needs to go from knowing it in your mind or knowing it in your memory to actually to the point where scripture says in Psalms 119 I believe it's verse 90 I will quickly confirm that it talks about the entrance of thy word brings light light is what every Christian needs light is what helps us to walk in darkness as you says, the light shines out of the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it so in Psalms 119 verses 105 says thy word yeah, this is also another good one. This one says, "Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." But in verses, um, where is that? It says the entrance of thy word brings light. So, which is actually very interesting because we're gonna read, we, we we are. Going to be talking about meditation. That's muscle number three. Yes, the entrance of thy word brings light. There's this concept of the entrance of his word that brings light. Wow. There is also, I mean, if you look at if you re, if you read through Psalms 119 maybe we can start off there it looks like the Holy Spirit wants to really uh, take us in a very interesting direction so master number three is meditation a good place for us to start on meditation is we can actually just dive into Psalms 103 I mean Psalms 119. Now, this is the first thing that I want to say before we look at some passages in Psalms 119 that talk about the power of meditation. Meditation conceives the word of God because it is intimacy with the word of God. Revelation, knowledge, is conceived by meditation. Revelation is conceived by meditation. So, muscle number one was the word of God. You need to read it. You need to read it. You need to read it because you can't be... Think about it. It's like a lawyer who doesn't even know um, what the articles of, of the cases he's trying to build say. It's like a lawyer who goes to court and doesn't even know he can't make reference to any articles and say um section 92 of of this law article number um 10 says this so that's why the word of God is important because it births, it's it's how you can start to train all other muscles. So you need to read the word of God. And like, this is our, we only have one book that God gives us to live by and that's the Bible. So it's our duty and, and, and responsibility to know that we read the word of God. It's also like, excuse me it would be like a you know like it's also like a, a law enforcement officer who does not know what the law says so how is he able to administer what the law says without even knowing what the law says how can he pull you over and just say um you're violating this and it's not in the law now well he can pull you over and you can and you can say you are violating this the law doesn't the, the law you you are breaking the law but now if you do not know what the law says you can be taken advantage of as well as a citizen this also is how satan takes advantage of most christians they do not know the word of god Satan knows the word of God more than most Christians. You see, Satan even quoted the he tried to quote the scriptures to Jesus himself, the living word. Why is it that when Satan, even in the Garden of Eden, why is it Satan had to take God's word and twist them? He tried to twist the scriptures with Jesus. He did not quote them perfectly. But he knew them. He knows he knows the word of God. You have to remember that Satan one time was in heaven. So you need to know the scriptures. You need to know roughly you need to have an understanding of what happens from Genesis to Revelation, at least the bare minimum. You need to know what happens in the book of Genesis. Then you need to know what happens in Exodus. Then you need to know what happens in Numbers, in Leviticus, in Deuteronomy. Then you go on. You need to know what happens in Judges. You need to know what happens in the book of Ruth. You need to know what happens in in first Kings, second Kings, first Chronicles. You need to know what happens in the book of Esther. You need to know what happens in the book of Joshua. That's after Deuteronomy. You need to know what happens. Who is Ezra? What does Ezra do? You need to know what ne- Nehemiah does. You need to know what Job does. You need to you need to you need to be familiar with the Psalms, with Proverbs, with Ecclesiastes, with the Songs of Solomon. You need to know, be familiar with who Prophet Isaiah is, with who Jeremiah is, with with what happens in Lamentations, with what happens in Ezekiel. You need to be familiar with ha- what happens in Daniel. You need to know that Hosea. Uh, you need to know what happens in there as well. You know. Um, uh, you need to know the illustrations that God is redeeming the church as a prostitute. You know you need to know Hosea. Oh, 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 you need to know what happens in the book of Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. You need to know what happens in the Gospels. You need to know what happens in the book of Acts. You need to know what happens in Romans, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. 1st Peter, 2nd Peter, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. At least you need to know a scripture. You may not be able to quote it, but at least you should be like, okay, if I'm in the book of Leviticus, this is what I know. Here's some scriptures from Leviticus. You need to know the word of God. Now, muscle number three is very critical because... Knowing and reading the Word of God by memory is just not enough. There's a deeper level that we go to that exercising muscle number three takes us to, and that is meditation. When you meditate the scriptures, it's how, when the the scripture now starts to say, the entrance of thy word brings light. And that's in Psalms one nineteen, verses verses one one hundred and thirty. Since the entrance of thy words gives light, it gives understanding unto the simple. Now, let us look at Psalms one nineteen, verses ninety seven to verses one o four, because the opening. Um verse here, verse 97 says, Oh how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day. Through it says, Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. It says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. Verse 100. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. So these are the benefits of meditating the word of God. It, co- it brings it births revelation knowledge. And once revelation knowledge comes, then you can have a revolution. I was challenged. So meditation turns the word of God from just information in your mind. Remember, muscle Namoan is like, okay, you need to read the word of God. You need to know it. You need to know, you need to know, you need to know. But just because you know, you haven't really built intimacy with the scriptures. Like, for instance, um, there's some people who can stand on some scriptures for a breakthrough, that I may not be able to stand on that scripture because they have spent more time having intimacy, being intimate with that scripture than I have. So if we are, if we're both in a situation, they might be able to generate faith on that scripture. Whereas I may not be able to take that scripture with me to battle because I haven't spent enough time Building intimacy with it, being intimate with it to bath rivers of living water from that scripture. Like for the longest time, I I just could not. Uh, someone. Someone was saying that basically the one oracle of God, they said, OK, I'm going to live my life on this one oracle of God. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added unto him. Now, it's only until recently that I started to, I said, Lord, somehow I get it, but I don't get it. So it's when the Lord really, when I started to meditate on it, that the more that I meditate on it, is the more that I can also start to use that as a guiding principle of my life. It's because I've spent time asking and reading that scripture and meditating and saying, what do you really mean to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of being right, his way of doing things? And so the Lord started to work with me and started to show me that um, in everything you do there is a way in which before you take a step before you take an action that there is a way in which in our daily lives that you can seek first um god's position in every situation so he said it to really show me how i can how I can live by it. You know, most people think that when you read the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it'll mean something like, um, that it would only mean things like, you know, um, maybe don't seek after a house, you know, or don't seek after a car or don't seek after um, a wife, or all of these things, you know, like the kind of like the fleshy things, right? But it, it's actually deeper than that because seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What is when he says when He's teaching the disciples to pray, He says. Pray after this manner, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if let's say you are applying for a job and you have this job versus that one, the job you can apply in Matthew 633 by seeking first and saying, okay, this job maybe might pay me more. But this job, this other job allows me to bring the kingdom of God. It allows me to express the kingdom of God. So you're using that scripture to decide which job to go for. This one might pay more. This one might do this. This one might do this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, which means seek ye first his opinion, seek ye first his choice. So there's a way in which we can apply it. You can use it to um, dictate how, you know, you, you you can use this to dictate what kind of movies you, you, you are going to watch, uh, what kind of people you're going to hang out with, who you're going to make your friend. Um, you can use this for Basically, there's a way in which in every situation uh, you can tie that scripture to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you have to combine that with uh, Proverbs 3, 5 about trusting the Lord and lean not unto your own understanding in all your ways, you acknowledge him. So you acknowledge him, but in order to acknowledge him, you have to seek ye first, the kingdom of God, and say, how can God reign through this situation, through this decision I'm going to make? What is God's agenda? That's maturity. What is God's agenda? What's God's priority? You know, um... You might, uh, I don't know if I should go there. Anyways, I was going to talk on the subject of relationships. Maybe let's go there. So, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, most people who have a list of the kind of person that they want to get married to or they would desire to get married to, uh, most of those things are their desires, but they're not really saying, God, what do you desire for me in a sense of it's not just about what I want. It's about what do you need? You know, God, who do you need me to partner with in my marriage such that your kingdom can move forward? Right now, someone else, if they have the option, okay. Yeah. I don't I want to bring comparison, but okay. Let's say there could be two people and one of them, you know, according to, the world standards of beauty and whatever, and they probably check um, those boxes, you know. According to how the world will say, oh, this person is beautiful, this person is handsome, this person is good-looking, and all of that. Now, you might also feel that, yeah, this is this is what I need, or this is what I want. So there's a place in which you can surrender your marriage and say, Lord, actually, I know that you know that if you put me and someone, that it will bear more fruit for the kingdom of God. So then I go from, okay, this is my type to what is God's type, you know, and from the standpoint of a guy, God's type is in Proverbs 31, virtuous woman. He talks about qualities. It's all spiritual qualities. And the one time he brings up her beauty, he says that beauty is vain and it, and and it shall pass away. So that is God's type. So if I'm sick, if I want to get married the way I posture my heart is I seek ye first God's agenda for a spouse, for me, and say, okay, Lord, this is what you desire, because this is what will move the kingdom forward. Okay, I surrender. Now, once once I put my heart in that posture, and I surrender to God's agenda, then he will now add the other things onto. Right? He will now add the cherries that the world is looking for. He will now add the beauty. He will add all these things. Like he will complete the package. But if if you're walking into the door and you're saying, and your heart posture on marriage is, Lord, I want a triple six, six six six-foot, six-packs, six-figures. There, in Scripture, there's no place where you find that as, you know, as how God, you know, chooses husbands for people. So you're in for... So you're seeking after what the Gentiles are seeking after. But if you walk into the door and say, Lord, I've postured my heart. Who, what do I need? Who do you think that I can support? And we can move the kingdom of heaven forward. I want to surrender the desires of my marriage to what you want first. And God will say, okay, this is how I put the first marriage together in the Garden of Eden. The man knew his purpose he was planted he was in communion and fellowship with me you go down the line um, you, you start to look at some the characters and the qualities of of men that God chose to work with okay this is a man after my own heart this is a man abraham that i've called my friend uh, enoch he walked with god um you start to look around boaz was a man who knew his purpose as well um so you see when ruth came into the picture boaz had already knew what his purpose was right um you start to look for those characters, Samuel. Um, there's, there's, there's different places in scripture that you can see what kind of man uh, God is drawn to. So that's who you want to seek ye first after. That's what you want to seek ye first after. And then God, God will surprise you. God will add all the other things as cherries, you know, he, he might, he might bring him and, 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 and he's six feet fair enough, or he might bring him and, and he looks this kind of way. Maybe he's, uh, you know, maybe he's fit or maybe he's not. So, but our, our first position has to be with seek you first, the kingdom of God, and that really means to yield to him, to yield to his agenda in every situation. Now, I got to this by saying, revelation is conceived by meditation. Meditation turns the water of God from just information in your mind into revelation in your spiritual womb, from which then rivers of living water come out. Now, meditation. We see this in we see this scripture from Joshua one eight that perfectly illustrates the power of meditation. It says, "This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success." So the psalmist of Psalms 199, of 119, whom many believe to be David, he paints this picture of what meditation does. He says in verse 97, says, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all day. It says through your commandments. You have... Through your commandments, you have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Now, he's talking about the problems of life. His enemies are ever with him. But it is through constant meditation of the word all day long that now he goes on to have better strategies than his enemies. Than the than the issues of life. He says, Your Lord, it's my meditation all, all the day. And says, Through your commandments, you have made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. So the challenges of life, the way he's able to ascend above them, the way he's able to eclipse them, is because he's in this form. He's always in this state of constant meditation and it's always birthing rivers of living water. He says, you've made me wiser than my enemies. Who wouldn't want to be wiser than your enemies? He says, my enemies are ever with me. For they are ever with me. You can look at that also and say, for your commandments are ever with me. So you you have made me wiser than my enemies. And then it even gets more interesting. He now says, I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. He says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Wow. So his level of understanding has now eclipsed his teachers. And now he understands more than the ancients. And I've felt this happen several times where these people in the past that I consider teachers, in a sense, but more from like a worldly sense, people that I used to look up to. And when I really started to seek first the kingdom of God and seek first the knowledge of God and meditating on it, I started to be, I started to be like, wow, I can't believe that one time this is a person that I looked up to. I really felt that my understanding had eclipsed theirs only because of meditation and spending so much time in the knowledge of God, because the knowledge of God is the highest form of knowledge. It says the wisdom, it says the foolishness of God is wiser. Let me find that. I want to make sure I quote it properly. It says... The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So if I'm even only if I'm meditating in the knowledge of God, it starts it it says that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, meaning that it's inevitable that the more you are engulfed and meditating in the word of God, you, you are going to supersede the wisdom of man you're going to supersede someone whose diet stops at the wisdom of man because you are seeing things from a higher realm from a higher level from a higher degree uh you're seeing you you have a 360 picture and they probably have a 45 degree picture because the scripture says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. For as high as the earth is above the heavens, for as high as the heavens is are above the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways. So God is saying, if you really want to know the difference between your thoughts and my thoughts, is as high as the heaven is above the earth. So when you ascend, and that's where you spend a lot of time in meditating the word of God, there's a there's a birthing of understanding. You you start to, of course, understand things of man, the knowledge of man, the wisdom of man, and, and but you ascend that. And that's what David is talking about here. But now when you look at Joshua 1, eight. These were the instructions that God was giving to Joshua as they were now crossing over into the promised land, when they were going to cross over the Jordan. And I don't know which military general would, which um, commander-in-chief would tell their military general that they would be giving them, you know, last minute battle tactics and all these things. But it's very interesting that it says this book of the law, the the book of the law that God was talking about was not about strategies and battle tactics and, and all of that. It was God's way of doing business, God's way of dealing with people, God's way of looking at the world. And says this book of the law should not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night. Then it says that you may observe to do according to all that is written in the book. So you need to know the book. And then once you meditate you meditate on it, then you start to do what it says. It says, then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Another translation says that you will have, you'll be prosperous and you'll have good success in the affairs of life. And we also see this in Psalms 1. This is the first psalm of the Bible. And it doubles down on what meditation does for us. It says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit, that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Wow, isn't it interesting? And this is one of the things that I'm also am challenged in this and. Um. Again, you want to talk about seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You can see how that scripture almost can start to to it it embeds itself in all these other scriptures, because most people in the world they want to prosper. So, they want to prosper in their affairs of life. They want to have a prosperous marriage, prosperous business, prosperous career, prosperous this, prosperous that, prosperous that. Is that a problem? No. And I also feel like the body of Christ has now turned the word prosperity into a curse word. Is prosperity wrong? No, it's not. However, just like the scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil, but it is the love of money. That's the root of all evil. So look at where prosperity in this scripture verses Psalms 1, verses 1 to 3, it's the byproduct of meditation. So most of us are looking to prosper in different areas of our lives but we we try to prosper and not it's almost like we put the cart before the horse you're trying to prosper but the scripture is telling you blessed is the man that walks not in the castle of the ungodly one no stands in the way of sinners two no sits in the seat of scornful three action items there okay four it said, it tells you. So what does he do if he's not walking in the council of the ungodly? If he's not standing in the way of sinners? If he's not sitting in the seat of the scornful? Of seat of the scornful, what is he doing? Four, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Ah, what's the end result? By not doing one, two, three, and doing only one thing. This guy becomes so blessed because he says, he shall now be, he says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Because the the the, the, the water God, you're going to say, out of your belly starts to bath rivers of water. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Meditation has now taken them from information in your head to revelation in your spirit. And now a revolution. Rivers of living water are being birthed out of that scripture. So what's happening is that you have now become like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Guess where these rivers of water are coming out of? Out of your belly. What starts to happen? You, the tree, starts to bring forth fruit in every season. Wow. Wow. And every and, and your leaves will not wither. and whatsoever you do now prospers. So if you do something, if you take and whatsoever he does shall prosper, if you take that phrase and you put it ahead of the three things he tells you not to do and the one thing he tells you to do, you will not prosper. But if you want to prosper in your marriage, in your work, in your career, he's giving us a strategy here. He's saying, one, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Wow. Man, 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 man. Don't stand in the way of the sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Or seat of the scornful. This means don't sit on the Twitter hubs, the Twitter the Twitter posts of the scornful. That's all what social media is these days. All the, the, the people who are leading cancel culture, the people who are pointing, who are scorning, who don't even believe in God, who don't believe in righteousness, the people who are saying, leave your truth. You can't, truth, there can't be a hundred different kinds of truth. If a hundred people believe something different on a subject matter, we can't call that truth. Those are opinions. But we have all of this, leave your truth. Well, if a hundred people decide to leave different opinions on the same subject matter, does that mean we have a hundred truths? Walking not in the counsel of the ungodly. Wow. Walking not in the counsel of the ungodly. This is a checklist. The Christian checklist is is so long. There's probably like a hundred checklists because every scripture almost has a, has every passages of scriptures gives you a checklist. And it's not that we want to be like manual, like we want things to just flow effortlessly. But this is the first time, you know, I'm, I'm the, I, I, I'd never really seen these three action, these three do nots before the to do. Because you can spend, because the more time you spend in the council of the ungodly, seeking people's opinions, the ungodly on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on TikTok on Tumblr, on Pinterest, on on Reddit, you are walking in the castle of the ungodly. If you're standing in the midst of sinners, people who do not think that there is right and wrong, people who don't think that there's truth. People who are always scorning at God, at rule of law. There's no way you will prosper. And I'm talking about doing, doing things God's way. Because trust me, yes, uh, you, can, you can prosper outside of God's way of doing things. But it says the blessing of the Lord make, makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. And that's why you see every person, every celebrity, every person out there that people are put on a pedestal. Yes, they could be rich and famous and with a lot of money. Yes, they prospered. They were not, they did not build their wealth off of the foundation of God. But guess what? We now start to see, you hear, committed suicide, drug addiction, this, this, overdose. Um, They can't have a peaceful marriage. This scripture says, whatsoever you do will prosper. It won't just be in your business life. These people were rich, but they have miserable families. They don't have friends. The children don't love them. This this one says everything you do will prosper. So if you follow this checklist here in Psalms one verses one to three, you'll not just you'll not only have maybe a prosperous business. No, you'll have a prosperous marriage. You'll have a prosperous soul. You'll have a prosperous spirit. You'll be healthy physically. You 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 will, you know whatsoever you do will prosper. So this prosperity will seep into every area of your life. But it comes from not doing the first three things and choosing to do one, which is delight in the law of the Lord and in his law meditate day and night. And that is what the psalmist of Psalms 119 tells us. He says, how I love your law. It's my meditation all day. You through your commandments have made me wiser than my enemies. How do you start to prosper? It's because you become wiser than your enemies for they are ever with me. You start to have more understanding than all your teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. You start to understand more than the ancients because you keep your meditating. This is the power of meditation. This is what it can do. This is the power of meditation. So, there are... I think I I really want to continue harping on this subject of meditation. So, I'm not going to rush it. Uh, There's still some interesting things I want to cover. So... If you've been seeking, so you see how seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. So if you seek ye first not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, not to stand in the way of sinners, not to sit in the seats of the scornful, and you seek ye first the kingdom of God, which is his law, and you meditate in there and night, then you are, become like a tree planted by rivers of water then all these other things that the gentiles are seeking after for you they'll be added unto you because whatever you do will prosper i'm gonna leave you with that god bless you Selah. this was episode nine of the christian checklist series we looked at muscle number three Meditation and the power of meditation. So why do we need to meditate on the Word of God? Why do Christians need to meditate on the Word of God? You see, meditation conceives the Word of God because it's intimacy with the Word of God. Revelation is conceived by meditation. And meditation turns the Word of God from just information in your mind into revelation in your spiritual womb from which then rivers of living water are birthed. Psalms chapter one, verses one to three, perfectly illustrates the power of meditation. It says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he is the benefit and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper you see many people today are looking for ways to prosper in the affairs of life but the key that unlocks it all is in meditation and not just any kind of meditation but meditating in the Word of God day and night. In the next episode of the Seven Muscles of Christianity, we'll continue building our understanding of muscle number three, which is meditation. Your host for today was Calvin Kavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.